Depression DMCs, don't you? Well, I guarantee you this podcast does bring deep and meaningful conversations, but at its epicentre is music. This is Deep Music Chats with me, Emma Nolan, and in every episode we meet a new guest, sometimes musicians, other times just those who are really passionate about music, and we hear about the songs that are synonymous with the most significant moments of their lives, all the ups and downs. So are you ready for a DMC? Joining me this week is broadcaster, writer, presenter, MC, podcaster, drawer, and mental health advocate, Keith Walsh. Welcome to Deep Music Chats. Joining me this week on Deep Music Chats, the amazing Keith Walsh. How are you doing today? Great, Emma. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. Initially, I just want to say I feel very old. The last one of these I listened to was with Mango. And uh, <laughs> let's just say my music selection might not be as, <laughs> as current as his. Uh, <laughs> or, or, as, or as cool. No, you're certainly very, very cool. That's for sure. And I've listened back to uh, some of these today. But I noticed about your song selection as well is maybe by the name of the song, I wouldn't recognise it. But by listening to it, I definitely know a lot of them. I don't want to ruin anything by even getting into which one I just have listened to about six times today. Um, you just reminded me of a song that I used to absolutely love. But let's just start from the very beginning. Uh, Keith Walsh, what song will always remind you of your childhood? Uh, every, every every song I mention, I have to say I'm very old, okay? but this is You don't um, have to say that at all, ever. Because you're this not. Is the song that so my we we I grew up in a musical family and we sang everywhere we went. So if you're in the car, we all sang, we all took turns singing. And mine generally, it, it was at one point a song called Una Paloma Blanca, which you won't know. But at some stage, whoever's listening to this and Emma, if you get time, you should Google and look up on YouTube George Baker selection Una Paloma Blanca. Uh, just just. For the shits and giggles. Okay. Because it is an astounding song and an astounding video. And you'll know what I mean by astounding when you actually see it. Anyway, but uh, Glenn Campbell's Rhinestone Cowboy was my song that I sang uh, when I was told, uh, you know, when you were young and you, you were told to get up and sing a song or it was your turn in the car. That was my song. Like a rhinestone cowboy. To this day, I'm not sure if I know the actual words or I still sing the words that I thought it was when I was young. What, what, what do you think they are? Well, it was um, like a rhinestone cowboy getting cards and letters from people I don't even know. But I sang like a rhinestone cowboy getting caught in weather <laughs> with some... I, 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 don't, I think I just mumbled the rest of it. But it was definitely yeah. something to do with the weather. So I, can't, I don't know if I actually ever knew the words, but I liked the song. It was good. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Glenn Campbell fan to this day. So, you know, I, I'd have to say Wichita Lineman is one of the greatest songs ever written by anybody. So I think I had good musical taste as a young person. And do you think that that was influenced by your, your parents? You said you were a very musical family. Was like that kind of music you were listening to around your family? Yeah, like my mum and dad played in a band. Uh, they played, my dad was a guitarist and my mother was a singer and they played in a couple of different groups. But I think when I was young, it was them... Uh, a drummer and my dad and the, I, it was a four piece or whatever but they would have played the, the pubs around the Midlands if anybody from around the Athlone area 
would know like pubs like the Dog and Duck and they'd head off in the evenings and play gigs and we'd have a babysitter and they'd come back and then the odd time we'd go and watch them. One of my earliest memories was sitting on the floor at the end of the bed in my parents' room and my dad had a big plastic bag, see-through bag of just uh, sheet music, you know, chord. So I'd be going through them and he'd be practicing a song and I, I just remember, I remember that very vividly. Of, of, it was all, But it was always that stuff. It was like, it was American. It was like American country, I suppose, like like Glenn Campbell, but Dolly Parton, um, Anonymous Scory. You're not going to know Anonymous Scory, are you? Was a... I don't think so, but no, that's <laughs> Ah. But it was all this kind of like, it was, I suppose it was hits of the day and probably yeah. it was a cross between, it was typical Irish country, like uh, easy listening and, and middle of the road, but it was good. It was good uh, musical grounding, I suppose, you know. And I love the the idea that they, they used to go off gigging. Did you, do you play instruments? I played the guitar. Did you? for a good while and I, I I still have my guitar here somewhere and I'm, I'm always like oh I must get it restrung and get, yeah, yeah, and yeah. get the uh, get the fingers going again I, I just it's something that I, I wish I with the guitar you have to play it all the time and if you don't uh, you're not very good at it and it's very frustrating when you're not good at it it's like golf I suppose I, I hear I'm always sort of berating myself for not picking it up and playing it more but I did when I was young I played it and uh, uh, and as I said, like I must, I must get back to it now in my old age. As now that I'm retired, you know, it's funny. I even think back to when I was uh, a child. I, I learned the fiddle, and I was mad into it. Like I loved it, and then obviously I got way too cool when I was a teenager. And now I'm there going, why did you? And I know your parents always tell you growing up, don't give it up, you'll regret it. Don't give it up, you'll regret it. And now I'm like, why did I give it up? Because I know I wouldn't even be able to do a twinkle, twinkle little star now, I'd say, if I if I was to pick up a fiddle. And what a cool instrument as well, the fiddle, you know. I know. You could have been you could have been in the new chorus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could have been in a chorus tribute band. I think the, I think the world is crying out for a chorus tribute band at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, can you tell me about a song that will always bring you back to a time or um, a moment where you just felt truly blissfully happy? Yeah, blissfully happy is a that was an interesting one because there's not that many moments in in life where you're blissfully happy. You know, maybe your 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 wedding day or your children being born, but there tends not to be. There doesn't tend to be music that moment that bliss. Like, you know, it's, it's not like in the movies, like no one actually breaks into song when that moment happens. No. But you know, there might be there might be something in the lead up or just something that was. There was no music in the in the in the theater when my uh, when my children were born either. For some reason, <laughs> uh, there should have been there should have been some like. Tr- and maybe... that's funny because isn't don't people often say you know someone who's worked in radio as well that they often have radio stations on in maternity wards. Yeah, I think my mother would always say she was the radio was on when. I was born and she always remembers it was a Saturday because Gabo wasn't on. So that's okay. how she remembers the day I was born. It's good. But um, blissfully happy, apart from my wedding day and my children being born, I just remember this moment, just when, when I when I thought about it. And this is a very difficult list, by the way. So uh, it's, it's it's unfair. <laughs> I actually feel quite bad because uh, this took up way more of your time than... I pl- I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Keith's been trying to organise this list for like two days. I'm sorry if it's been stressing you out. Well, it's just I'd say it's just the person I am, and I'd say anybody that that you get to come on and do this, it's uh, I presume they're into their music, so it probably takes a long time. Um, but anyway, I'm going to pick uh, a song by a band called Ride. They were a sort of a shoegazy indie band from the '90s. I'm going to pick the song Nowhere because of uh, Fail in '91. 
Vale was the, was the original Oxygen, the original Electric Picnic, the first festival really, proper festival. Um, there was kind of Listoon Varna, there was a few other festivals that I don't remember, but Fela was the was the trip to tip uh, and I think 91 was the second year of it. We were all at that age, I think just before the Leaving Cert maybe, uh, um, and we all headed down on the train with Buckfast and a tent and very little else. Um, it was the year, failure that year was the year of kind of, it was real kind of Manchester. So we had all the bands like the Happy Mondays and the Farm. And one of, one of the other bands that I was particularly fond of at the time was a band called Ride, who are from Oxford. Uh, they were a real kind of shoegazy band, long hair, not as dancey, you know, a bit more sort mm. of chilled, chilled out. Because I was such a fan, I, I made sure I was right up the front. Um, and I reckoned at the time I looked like one of them because I had the long hair and, you know, I wanted to look like the lead singer, of course. But I got right up the front and uh, I just, I, I lost my friends. Uh, I was on my own and I didn't care. Uh, I think at some stage I got a nosebleed. Um, <laughs> I was so far up the front I got a nosebleed like, it was too this much is, this is too much <laughs> the craziness but like it would have been the first time like I mean for a young lad growing up in the Midlands like the craziness of a festival yeah. and and a festival in Ireland we didn't know what we were doing like no. nobody knew we didn't know how to festival yeah. like now we're experts at it but can I um, ask yeah, Fela uh, and sorry for my ignorance but like what was the capacity like what? how does it compare to the likes of oxygen and stuff Could, was it many thousands of people oh yeah it would have been thousands yeah like i've no and idea would it have brought in people from abroad and the whole country like it was huge right yeah like we always we, you'd always kind of encounter like the we used to call them the nordy lads you know because they'd come they'd come down from the north as well and the difference was that they had or their bottles were green and the, so we used to swap southern buckfast for northern buckfast uh i, I don't know what the, I, there was no difference but i'm sure yeah, at the time yeah, yeah. We, we we probably told ourselves that the buckfast from the north was more potent or something <laughs> but uh, I think the most exotic would be people from the north but yeah people from all over the country came and like we just everybody I mean I, I can remember the insanity of the train like by the time you got down on the train you were fit for nothing you know it took yeah, you yeah a day to recover. I was sort of one of the people from my group that actually went, bought a ticket and went into to see the music. You know, a lot of the yeah. lads and lassies just kind of stayed in the field. It was an interesting, the field was had been a sort of a, a beast field, right? So it was like, but they, they didn't harvest the beast. They just left them in the ground and just cut the tops off them, just mowed everything out, created this campsite. So it meant that once they got muddy, if you can imagine like the round beast was sticking up out of the ground. So it created these slippery cobblestones kind of. Yeah. It was it was just like Lethal. I, I mean we couldn't walk anyway with the what we had imbibed, but like then there was just it was just this slippy cobblestone beast feel that you were trying to find your tent in and not like And I can't imagine even on like if even when you're lying in your tent, if that's under you, that's not like it, things are uncomfortable enough oh, when you're camping, was, not to mind something digging into your back. You should watch Woodstock, you know, it was closer to Woodstock than and in, in, in years it probably was closer to Woodstock than Electric Picnic. You know, Electric Picnic they have like campsites and names and entrances and Yeah, this yeah. Just, this is just like go into that field and find somewhere to camp and then <laughs> try and remember try and remember where it is like my cousin 
I was supposed to stay in my cousin's tent and he said um, we were to meet when we got down there and he said I'll, I bought a silver dome tent so you can't miss it of course when I arrived down there every second tent was a silver dome tent but anyway the moment the moment that I was blissfully happy was was when Ryder on stage they played that song Nor I was right up the front and I just remember that was kind of the first time I really felt like sort of a, I don't know you feel like you're part of something bigger and yeah. the music really sort of got me and I was just like this is the you know at that age I was whatever I was 16, 17 but I was like this is the best happiest the happiest I've ever been in my life and it was just when he said blissful that was yeah. that was that feeling and I don't really even think I was even drunk that day I was just like no, no. I, was, I, cu- I couldn't even imagine what was happening around me you know I think all of our first festival experiences will just make it go <gasps> when you think back on it I, I didn't get to oxygen I was just a little bit too young I wasn't allowed to go unfortunately but well, so- I was probably too old for oxygen <laughs> No, 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 not at all. But you, you, you got away with going down to Fela at 16 or 17, but I wasn't allowed. But yeah, my first picnic, I'll never forget my first. I was like, what is this? It's just yeah. a whole different world, isn't it? For a few days just to get away from reality and you do feel like you're a part of something. And oh, it's just brilliant. It's really an assault brilliant. on the senses. Like I didn't, I literally didn't sleep for three, for the three nights. I didn't sleep. Mm. And and this is pre, um, pre when you might get something to help you stay awake. You know, this is just, innocent just not being able to like every time I went into the tent I'd hear some music or something I'd have and I just it was FOMO just FOMO the whole weekend yeah some, yeah yeah something summer that I'd be missing that I'd have to be at and uh, I, I got home to Newbridge at some point didn't have the money for the train so we all jumped the train uh, didn't have tickets um, I don't know how we got home and then uh, I, I got home my mother made me a pizza ate that and slept for two days good times now let's get back to teenage years is there a particular song that will always remind you Keith of when you were a teenager and what song kind of sums up your teenage years for you well this is difficult because like like music was everything when I was a teenager you know Uh, but everything from like like I started listening to music like I, I, I would have listened to pop music like I would have liked Bross or any of these boy bands like Brother Beyond that you won't remember but but even like the Bangles or like I, I bought Smash Hits I, I, I just wanted all the music news all the gossip all the stuff about the bands I wanted the the pictures and I suppose slowly over time my music taste changed from pop music to what the music that I started to like then when friends started introducing me to the likes of Neil Young or and then uh, bands like um, the Violent Femmes or you know bands from America but even before that I suppose the four of us and the Hot House Flowers and, and the Stunning and all these Irish bands so so it was just it, it, it was everything music was everything to me but I, I picked a certain sort of snapshot moment in time I was friends with um, there was myself and my wife my now wife Suzanne there was Camilla there was Brona Sinead and the, the, the five of us hung around as a little gang so it was me and the girls basically so I was just one of the girls but we used to hang out in a place in Newbridge called Central Grill and you'd go in there and you'd buy one plate of chips and maybe a cup of tea smoke cigarettes and uh, you know and much to the annoyance of the owner uh, and just sit there all day over a plate of chips um, but we put music we put money in the jukebox the song that we played the, that I played the most was from the Stone Roses and there was there was one Stone Roses single in, in the in the jukebox and uh, the song was um, Elephant Stone but the song that I picked is The Hardest Thing in the World that was the flip side the B side and that was the one I played more for some reason but I preferred that song we spent hours in there we'd just go in and sit and smoke and if we you know if we had any money we'd chip it in and we'd buy a packet of cigarettes and just sit there chatting and I it was just a great time um, and I've just picked that out of 
like I had other friends and stuff, but I just when you when you when you think of music and you think of that time, I just remember sitting in that in that uh, at the back of the chip shop, and uh, when the guy was, we happened to be there when the guy was changing the records on the jukebox, and he came over and he handed me the the Stone Roses single, so I still have it at home. Oh, um, stop! Mm, yeah. Oh, that, oh, that's so lovely. Just knew you were a big fan. Yeah, well, he was just whatever. We, I don't know. We just got to know him. I don't know. I can't remember how it happened, but he, the guy was changing it. I, and I probably, I pro, you know what? I probably asked him first, but yeah. uh, either you, way. But you still have it. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, it's so true that when we're teenagers, no time is wasted time. Like I used to sit on a cold wall with my friends in the wintertime for hours and, you know, maybe get pneumonia, but it was fine because we just wanted to be together and chat or wherever you could hang out, you would hang out. So like, you, as you said, you could spend hours with one bag of chips and one jukebox and that is all you need with your friends. And B, how beautiful that you met your wife when you were so, so, so young and were such great friends. Yeah, it was cool. It was great. I mean, we, at that time in school, we just hung out all the time and her friends were my friends and my 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 actual friends just got jealous, you know, that that uh, I was hanging out with the girls all the time. But but it was weird. It was I mean not weird, but it's it was so different because like we didn't have. And I'm not saying like this is it was a better time, right? But you like you couldn't text to say we'll be uptown at a give at a given time. You know you'd yeah. have to you'd have to arrange it the day before, or you'd have to or you mm-hmm. just or you just know where to go, or you just like if I walked uptown, I'd always look into Central Grill to see if anyone was there, you know. And mm-hmm. if they weren't there, I'd just keep going. But there might be. I think better times, to be honest. Well, maybe like, you know, it's it's rose tinted glasses. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah. Like in a city like Dublin, you'd never find like you couldn't just walk around the city all day looking for your friend. But (laughs) I'm from I grew up in a very small, small town as well. And you'd find people quite quickly by doing one lap of the town yeah. you know so it, there is something lovely about it yeah I like yeah you do a lap and if they weren't there the first time they might be there <laughs> they're the not in the park they're not yeah. sitting back <laughs> <in> the <pub. laughs> they must all be home for dinner then try again in an hour <laughs> yeah but uh, I mean I mean, when I think about the guy I remember the guy who owned the chipper like I mean he was obviously quite tolerant you know uh, mm. we probably had a kind of a we probably kind of he probably annoyed us or, you know there's probably a weird uh, love-hate relationship there going on that he didn't necessarily want us there just sitting down the back smoking but uh, he but he tolerated us which when I think back on it was very nice you know? I think as teenagers as well you appreciate that so much because you're so used to being like not wanted everywhere you know yeah yeah the classic um, was uh, there was another chipper called uh, what, what was it called uh, TJ's and the sign on the wall was no eat no seat you know so if you weren't if you'd no food or you weren't eating like you couldn't just buy one but play the chips between everybody you know everybody yeah. had to be eating no eat no seat that was the rule and uh, you'd literally get kicked out. I know uh, this year is weird. Um, particularly, I, I don't think teenagers are, are hanging out, obviously, with all things COVID in the same way. But I wonder if that's still our teenagers today more like, I'm not going to sit out in the cold or I'm not like, I wonder, is it as, you know, is there equivalence of that anymore? I or think... is it more just, we'll just, we'll just chat on FaceTime later? No, I think they hang out. Like my son is, is at that age where he wants to go to the shopping centre with his friends. And if I'm ever in the shopping centre with my son, he'd be like, see, that's security guard there he chased us out the other day and I'm like, I'm like what were you doing what were you doing why did he chase you I said we're doing nothing but you know that's just that's the that's the lot of the young teenager you just get kicked out of everywhere you know um to, to kind of change the tone completely Keith if you ever have been in in a dark place and if you're comfortable to share 
any of that experience with us. Um, was there a song that kind of helped you through? Yeah, I mean, this year, not this year so much, but sort of last year uh, when the breakfast show finished up, I found that quite difficult for lots of different reasons. And one of the things I did was I started therapy, which I found very helpful. And I continue to this day. And one of the things I like to talk about is therapy to encourage other people to check it out. Mm-hmm. They, might, they might find it helpful. I saw a great quote from uh, a lady called Mel Robbins today. And she said something along the lines of let's normalize therapy, not just for crisis uh, moments in life. So the idea is that you don't need to have hit rock bottom to seek help and to talk to somebody. You Mm -hmm. just have to feel like things are a little bit shit and you'd like them to be better and they can be better. Sometimes if you're not feeling great, it can kind of snowball if you don't look after it. And sometimes people can feel a bit stuck and it's very well listening to people talking about mindfulness or talking about meditation or talking about this or talking about that or talking about exercise. If you literally don't have the motivation to get up and go somewhere or join a class or leave the house or whatever it is, that's where therapy comes in and that person will help you. It's just a chat, really. You don't really see nothing. You don't you don't notice anything happening. It's just over time. You basically help yourselves and they they, they uh, facilitate that. So I'm a big fan of therapy and I got a huge amount out of it uh, this this year and kind of and last year as well. When the breakfast show finished up, because I just found myself a little bit lost. But one of the things that happened then was that uh, RT asked me to, to present the show on gold because lockdown happened and it was kind of perfect time for me because I got to sit in the studio for three hours every day and there was there's no playlist there's no news there's no ads there's just tunes and and it's gold so I for for most of the first lockdown I just got to sit in the studio picking songs that I love and playing them and that was it for three hours every day and almost that was kind of a therapy as well and one of the songs that I played a good bit was uh, the fat lady sings Arclight I want you to shine just one of those songs that uh, it's uplifting, but it's it's melancholy, I suppose. But it's a beautiful song and it's Irish. And it just, I suppose it reminds me of those days of just sitting in that studio. It's not even that long ago, but it was it was just, it, it seems like a different, it, se- it seemed like a different me, sort of. So it seems like a different, uh, a different time. Yes. But just sitting in, the, in that studio and that and that was and I'd play that song at least once a week maybe twice a week yeah. and uh, there was something about it that would just and also it was it was it was me playing songs from my youth that was one of them so it was kind of like reconnecting with who I was and all that uh-huh. wanky uh-huh. bullshit but what do they say there was an expression that out of pain comes beauty or something like it's like you having the create creative freedom to to playlist and then you know to bring subconsciously you're probably playing songs that made you happy growing up and then when you were listening to you know it's 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 amazing what music can do isn't it because it was a very like uh, having gold on was a big feature of the house even because we we just had it on in the morning and I th- I think that, that that and I know I know radio in general helped a lot of people because of the music uh, but something about gold for me and for my wife Suzanne it, it was there was comfort in in the familiar mm. you know and the old songs and you know somebody playing Tiffany I think we're alone now or a bit of Bon Jovi or a bit of whatever and it just takes you out of if you think back to the start of COVID we were all a bit freaked out because we didn't really we were. like we're, we're quite relaxed about it now but we didn't know what was like I, I remember my daughter said to me a couple of weeks ago like she said I was fully convinced that like so most of my family were going to die like she genuinely and we all were like we, we forget how uncertain it was as a time and how freaked out we were yeah um and that's where that's where the music kicked in and that's where things like like listening to familiar old songs really helped a lot of people I think just as well Keith I just love to just to mention to you as well like just all the incredible stuff you've been doing on mental health has been 
phenomenal. So um, yeah, I just think you should be really proud of that. And you've definitely helped a huge amount of people with your openness and your honesty about the subject online and everything. So fair play. Thank you very much, Emma. Yeah. I also um, have a therapist and find it fantastic. Like that, sometimes, some weeks you're like, I feel absolutely great this week. And they're like, that's fine. Let's just have a chat. And it's it's lovely just to have a little bit of time just for you. And it can just be the start of, of I know people like to, like to use the word journey a lot, but so I'll say voyage, but it can mm. just be the start of something, you know, and uh, totally. You, yeah. You don't, you don't know where where you'll end up. So it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, and, and to, to normalize talking about it is, is, is the key as well. So well done. Absolutely. You. Now, is there a particular song that will always remind you of falling in love or someone that you love or loved? Well, this is the cheesy bit because uh, I'm going to, I think I might pick my wife, Suzanne, for this one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we uh, So we met very young and there was a movie out at the time uh, called Ghost. It was in the cinemas. It was uh, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. And I think, if I'm, if I'm correct, Patrick Swayze dies and then comes back as a ghost. And Whoopi Goldberg is in there somewhere. I'm not sure why. But there's a, there's a famous scene where they try and make some pottery together. But I think he's a ghost at that point. But he helps her okay. make the pottery <laughs> as a ghost. You need to watch the film. Fair enough. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you ever seen Ghost? Do you know this I've film? not seen Ghost. No, I actively. <laughs> avoid anything that's in any way horror related but oh no yeah. this is not a horror nothing to do with horror <laughs> my god no it's the opposite uh, like <laughs> you heard the description it was like a I know yeah I was kind of wondering <laughs> there's pottery there's Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> that's pretty much it uh, <laughs> maybe just the title put me off but I'll give it a go but I think it was one of our first dates proper dates was going to the cinema and that was the film we went to see and the, my abiding memory of that is me trying to put my arm around her and my wife leaning forward. Oh! Yeah, so I was totally, totally put in my place. She's been putting me in my place ever since, you know. (laughs) Uh, Strong woman. (laughs) And the song at the time uh, from the movie was uh, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, which was re-released for the soundtrack. So that was our song. And it still is our song, you know. It's still the song that comes on and when it comes on, you look at each other. At the very top of this recording, I said that there's one song that I've listened to like six times since you sent me your list, and it's that. I know the song inside out and know every word, but I wouldn't recognize it by the name, but I ah, okay. know yeah, it. Yeah. Like, I know yeah. it so well. It's stunning. It's stunning. Ah, so, what, what age then were you guys, do you think, around when you went to the cinema that time? Oh, like 16. Ah. I, I had just moved to Newbridge. I was, I'd been living in Athlone and we moved up and I just started school. And I think it was probably the first couple of months I met up with uh, Suzanne and her friends and we started hanging out. And yeah, I, we started going out pretty Did much. Did you think away. you were a real culty from Athlone? I don't know. I, I felt <laughs> like I was, uh, I'd been to the Gale Talk, you see, that, that summer. I'd been to the Gale Talk twice and that summer was my second time. So so in my head, I'd met all the um, the cool Dubliners and I'd adapted their fashion. So I wasn't like, I, was, I already was, you know, I was wearing the hoodie and the baggy jeans and the runners and, and uh, thought I was the bee's knees. And uh, so I wasn't necessarily a bogger coming into a town like Newbridge, but I was a lot, I was happy to be moving. I, I was definitely happy to, uh, I don't know, for me, it was like a... This is probably a terrible thing to say, but it was I went to a new school, which meant a whole new a whole new girls school. Yeah, um, <laughs> yes, I hear you. Which is uh, for for a, for a young man at that age, it's it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what you what you made of me, but 
certainly everybody in Newbridge seemed a lot cooler to me than than, than people in Athlone, which is a mm-hmm. slight on Athlone. But, you know, it was that bit closer to... You see, if you live in Newbridge, you can get the train up and go shopping in Temple Bar. Or you can... Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I know, as someone who uh, grew up in Washford as well and uh, still had good friends from when I lived in Dublin as well, I just thought that everything they did was cooler just because they were from Dublin. Like, if, if there was something that was in fashion, it's different now because of the internet and because you can buy from the stores online and all the rest yeah. but like back then if something was in fashion in Dublin it would take six months to come to Washford if you wanted like if you wanted Doc Martens you had to go to like Deviate in Temple Bar there was no Doc Martens <laughs> shop in Athlone like there was you yeah, know, you yeah. had, first of all you had to find out about Doc Martens then you had to source a pair of Doc Martens I remember my mother buying me a pair of Doc Martens for, I asked for them for Christmas and I was devastated when she bought me a pair of boots that clearly weren't Doc Martens mm. um uh, but that that was probably one of the most devastating times of my life. They were the, were they just like the knockoffs? They were just monkey boots or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was terrible. I was terribly upset. Now, is there a particular song that will remind you of an experience you may have had, romantic or not, uh, of being heartbroken? Something in life that just made you feel like I'm bloody heartbroken over that. And what was the song that was kind of synonymous with that time? Yeah, because life can break your heart. People can mm-hmm. break your heart. There's many ways of being heartbroken. The, the funny thing about my wife, I met her quite young and we, and we we started going out when we were quite young, but we broke up a few times. Because <gasps> we weren't always together. So she broke my heart probably a couple of times. But uh, there must have been a reason I kept going back to have my heart broken again. I'm just mm. hoping she I'm hoping she doesn't do it again. You know, like I don't want at this stage. <laughs> like we're married we're married quite a while. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like at this stage I can trust she's finally won my trust again. But also I, I like I, I would have had my heart broken as a very young you know when you start going out with people if you're 12, 13, 14, you know, and it's mm. all very innocent. My first girlfriend broke up with me because I I, I refused to shit her. Um because you refused to which? Shift her? Do you know the shift? Is? Oh, sorry, sorry. No, just the, the line dropped there for a second. Okay. Shift. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you you clarified that because that would, people would have been thinking all sorts. But yeah, I, I was I was so young and nervous. I just couldn't bring myself to you know. So she she said, "Oh, I'll go out with someone else who'll kiss me." Fair so enough. I was, I was, <laughs> <laughs> terribly, terribly heartbroken. But I do remember around that time, like there's one song that if I listen to, it reminds me of all the times my heart's been broken by just, inge- it's just a good song to listen to if you're sad and you want to get sadder and you want to have a good cry. Yes. It's, um, the Mamas and the Papas, dedicated to the one I love. That song alone will break your heart. Mm. You know, I would encourage everybody to sit down some stage stick on the headphones and just listen to that song and have a good cry for yourself yeah. for, all, for all your heartbreaks and you know sometimes you you might just want to have a good cry just because you just need one and I think it's always good to have a song like on standby that you know will just do the business for you let it out and then you can move forward there's a great line in that song and it's the darkest hours just before dawn basically it's the it's the sentence that's used most between myself and my wife if we're having a particularly stressful time be it with work or with life in general and sometimes you think like oh this it can't get any worse and then it does you know and you think you know and it can get worse and worse and worse and then the thing that my, myself and Suzanne say to each other is the darkest hour is just before dawn which means as dark as it gets you know the dawn is is just around the corner and then mm-hmm. and then everything will be okay you know because tomorrow's a new day and we start I love that start fresh but it's a great line it's a great song and uh, that's a great line it's a it's it's a line to live by you know It'll get you through the darkest hours. One that my granny always uses, just something that is always in my head, is a sunny shower never lasts a half an hour. So if there's a bit of sun there through the shower, it'll be wrapped up within half an hour kind of thing. Okay. Things Um, will pass, you know, things will pass. Exactly. 
Exactly. Is there a particular song, Keith, that always inspires you and how did or has it in the past helped you or guided you? I couldn't think of a particular song, but there's a band that I still listen to. They inspire me in some different, in some odd ways. They're a band called the House Martins, an 80s band from uh, from Hull in England. Um, you, I suppose you, people mostly know the songs like the Happy, uh, Happy Hour and... Um, Caravan of Love, but uh, the song Me and the Farmer is the one that I would listen to. It's just, I love the song and it's a song that I would put on just to get me going. Like I'd stick it in the car and it would inspire me in a sort of, a, it would just get my my blood going. The the thing I love about the House Martins, I lived in Athlone. I'll just tell you this story first. I lived in Athlone uh, growing up. I started, I was into my pop music and I started, I'm not really sure how, but I decided I wanted, and it was probably from watching the House Martins that I wanted to be a mod. So I bought myself a Crombie coat, which is a long coat. I had a pair of uh, sort of dock style shoes and I, and turnips in my jeans, you know. I, I had moved from brass to mod, you know, to, to the jam and the who and all that kind of stuff. Very Probably in the space of a couple of days. But there was an older guy who lived a couple of doors up for me and he was known locally as Mick the Mod. I, I, I don't know if he knew that people called him Mick the Mod, but he was a proper mod. So he had a, a scooter and a fishtail parka and you know, proper pointy shoes and tight trousers. And he was like, for me, he was the epitome of cool. He was cooler than anything on top of the pops. I don't know how, but he would, he used to talk to me. Like, so we'd chat and he was, he asked me about music and I was telling him about the music that I liked. At some stage, he, he, I was out in my front garden, just messing about. And he came up to me and he handed me two tapes that he'd made. In those days, you could get 90 minute tapes, you know, so you get quite, you might get two albums to or more on each tape. And he mm. taped he taped like two House Martin albums and an album by the Blades and some stuff from the jam. And he just made me two tapes. For me as a young man, I was like, this is so cool. Like he's such a cool guy. And he's giving me all this music and these tapes. And the House Martins were one of the bands on those tapes. And it just really that band stayed with me forever. And I always remember that, you know, and I think I always I took something from that, from him doing that for me. Mm. Uh, and I just think it was a great lesson to learn as a young man how much somebody older doing something nice for you like that that he he didn't have to even talk to me, you know, but to, to go, he went above and beyond, you know, and I just thought it was very nice and it just stuck with me. As I learned more about the House Martins, they were like Fatboy Slim was the bass player, Norman Cook. I mean, there's a great documentary that they, I think they made themselves and it's on YouTube, but it's basically them. There's two, the singer and the guitarist as if they all live in the same house and they're in bed together in the morning and sort of it's following them throughout a day a typical day but they wake up in bed and the mu- the music coming in from next door is uh, is Norman Cook on on decks and they weren't a, they weren't a dance band they were a guitar band they were a pop band but they go into the room and they're giving out to Norman Cook cuz he's you know he's mixing music on the decks mm. so they they started they to start incorporating a bit of hip hop into the music as well and obviously Norman then wanted to just do that and they went off and the other guys went off and then the beautiful site was formed and um, but they're just an amazing band they didn't they paid themselves a wage and gave the rest of the money to charity when they were at the height of their fame and I just think like songs like Me and the Farm are just the messages about uh, capitalism and greed and all that kind of stuff and it was just they were just singing good things uh, for a young person like me to Mm. hear you know and I I just like the message but yeah they've they've always stuck with me and Me and the Farmer is great the opening to Me and the Farmer if you're looking for something to get you going it's 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 won't, you won't get anything better. You know, two of your stories tonight included someone gifting you with music, both the guy in the chip shop and then obviously 
the mod as yeah, well. Yeah, make the mod. Yeah, but I was just thinking it. as well, you know, like when you used to burn CDs for your friends for you, if one of your friends had access to burning CDs back in the day or like, isn't it kind of sad that we don't really, we can't, we can't really gift people with music anymore because I mean, they have it. You can send someone a song to listen to on Spotify, but yeah. like yeah, it was yeah. just such a treat. I remember one of the girls used to, she was more technically advanced with her dial up internet back in the day than we were. And she used to literally burn us CDs and it was like the most treasured gift to have that she knows the kind of songs that you love and she's put together 12 for you giving it to you in school and like that's all you need like you're yeah. so happy and just to think you can't do that anymore you know yeah putting the tape together I've been given music yeah there's something wonderful about that I mean yeah you just send a Spotify link and say you know her, yeah. heard, heard this and thought of you and that's the way because myself and my daughter would share music and like I would send her stuff on Spotify and she'd mm-hmm. like if, if I hear something I think she'd like and vice versa you know so it's, yeah it still happens, but it's not the same, you know, as somebody handing you some tapes. They, they, they totally. took the time to put together. Yeah. But it's always nice to make a playlist on Spotify if, for somebody special as well, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Mm. Um, many friendships have a song that is synonymous with their friendship. What is yours and why does it belong to you guys? Well, I thought it'd be too much if I picked another song f- for myself and Suzanne. So um, my cousin, John Free we've been friends we've been cousins we're the same age so we're we're kind of like you know friends brothers cousins yeah we've spent we've, we've been in each other's lives you know and we would have spent summers together uh, he lived in dublin i lived in athlone so we would have gone I'd have gone to Dublin for a couple of weeks. He'd have come down to Athlone for a couple of weeks and we spent an awful lot of time together. He lived in a great place, in a place called the Dunes in Port Marnock, which was literally on the beach. And it was just, we, I, I just had the best time going up there, obviously being from the Midlands and all we had was cold lakes. And uh, the sun the sun always seemed to be shining when we got to Port Marnock. And uh, we just spent a lot of time on the beach, unsupervised, I think, but it was different times, different times. And we, we, we had some great times. But as we got older, we ended up in London together. Uh, we decided, I think probably college was finished and we wanted to go and experience life. So we moved to London for the summer just to work. We ended up working in a hotel together. And the two of us ended up living in a place called, uh, we ended up living in a tent in, in London. Um, there was a place in East Acton called Tent City, which was kind of like a hostel, you know, it was a cheap it was cheap, cheap accommodation. But you either, you could stay, they had these massive army tents. So it was all bunk beds uh, made up and you could either sleep in there or you could bring your own tent and and. We brought our own tent, so we slept in in John's tent, the Silver Dome tent from 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 Fela. It was still going, <laughs> and okay. literally, literally, it was a fiver a night to stay in this place. So once you made enough money to pay your fiver a night, you were good. You'd somewhere to go, you'd somewhere to stay. You needed money for the tube, and you needed money to stay in the tent, and that was it. Wild, we yeah, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> but we were working in. Uh, we were working in a hotel at the time. I was working as as uh, on the concierge desk in in South Kensington, which was quite posh. And then coming back to, to sleep in the tent, um, it was it was interesting trying to have nice clean white shirts for work. But we, we somehow managed it, and that was just a great summer. I think it, I, I think the sun shone every day, uh, which was helpful because we we didn't have a roof over our heads. Yeah. And uh, and it just seemed to be I don't know it's just one of those times. It was the, the great thing about Ten City was there was people from all over Europe backpacking, so they'd stay for a few months, stay for a few weeks, stay for a few days, and you get to meet you know there was lots of Norwegians, Australians, um, and once you're finished work, you'd just be sitting out in the green and the sun just doing whatever, just playing football, messing. It was kind of I, I it was kind of like commune kind of. Uh, <laughs> 
it was just, there was an element of it being a commune sort of uh, fr- free love and all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it was just a great time. Um, my I worked for a guy, and the point of the story is myself and John got to stay in. My boss went away on his honeymoon for a couple of weeks, and he said, "Look, do you want the keys to my flat?" Mm. Which was which was like we were getting out of the tent for two weeks. It was like oh. so so myself luxury. John, yeah, myself and John stayed in in the flat for two weeks and minded his flat for him. Um, but one of I don't know what what it was but this song by Ash it was I don't know if it was ever on an album but it's called Kung Fu uh, it is just an unbelievable punk rock song by an Irish band and we were in London and we just played that song over and over and over again especially when we were in that flat because we were like we had we were in the flat we had a roof overhead we were dry it was clean it was just us we had beer we were playing Irish bands. It was just, it seemed like a, it seemed like the, just the best days ever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long overall then were you in London for? Well, I was, I mean, the summer lasted, like we, we went over quite early. So I suppose end of May and then we were there till, I mean, I John went home and I stayed on. I, my sister was living in London, so I stayed with her for a while. But we were, I mean, we were, I mean. Okay, I so in total, how long did you do the tent way of living? Oh, like maybe only three months. Three months? in a tent though that's incredible yeah, yeah they had like a block a building w- with showers and stuff you know so you could go in and get you know brush your teeth and have still a shower though <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... resilience but it, it, we weren't we didn't feel like it was resilient. we just thought this is the best thing ever you know as soon as we heard you could live in a tent in London Perfect. it was like yes do, you know it was, it was almost like every day every day's every day's failure don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy camping a lot. A lot of people don't like it. I do like it. But it's it's grand for a short spell because, you know, the it, it could be really average temperature wise outside, but you just wake up sweating because it's so like, I don't know if I could do that every day for three months. Did you it always was... wake up really early or did you kind of get used to it? We just, it did, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I mean, yeah, if it was really hot, it'd be sweaty, but you you didn't care. Like you, like you didn't, yeah. you'd be up and there'd be people, other people up or you'd be, you'd have to go to work. Like I worked, if my early shift, I had to be there at seven. So you'd be up at well before six anyway. Yeah. Like I could be getting up at half past five to go to work. But uh, but yeah, and that song Ash Kung Fu was the song that my boss got. So so when he came back, we we thought we cleaned the flat and made it all nice and everything and and left the you know and gave him the keys. So he he popped into work, got the keys off me, went home, mm-hmm. and I got a phone call straight away. Go what the fuck did you do? And I was like, what? We had left the freezer open and. He's, he had a load of strawberries in his freezer, which which melted. Uh, so he got into the house and uh, basically it's just all this mess of strawberry syrup mm. over his floor. And he says, oh, to this, for he said to this day, he doesn't know if he ever got the, the sticky strawberries. And you guys, tr- you tried so hard. You made such an effort as well. Like how disappointing. Like, it you know, so it's not like you were young fellas who, you know, like a lot of people would at that age would have a few people around for a a few drinks and there would be a mess made. No, you actually were trying to be so good and just a little accident let you down in the end. God's we could sake. we could have trashed the place, you know. I mean, you know mm. sh- but yeah, it was the feckin' uh, the strawberry. But anyway, but anyway, look, we live to tell the tale. What song will always just hit you in the gut and make you feel emotional when you hear it, and why? I think I'm going to go for Vampire Weekend. This life. Darling, Myself and my daughter Anna uh, and my wife as well, Suzanne, um, we're big Vampire Weekend fans. So we, as soon as this album came out a few years ago, we were like all over it. And 
you know, brilliant sharing it, you know, waiting, counting down the days for it to come out. And once it came out, we just listened to it. Like if, if I was in this car dropping her to school or collecting her from school or whatever was going on at the time, we'd just be blaring this album. And I don't know what it is. I can't even explain it. But I think it's I think it's because it reminds me of, of Anna, my daughter. She She's in her leaving search year. I suppose it's a shared experience or having that, like having a, a band that you like in common. It's just a, a lovely thing. But and, and I just, I don't know, it, there's something about that album. It's just very emotional anyway. So if I listen to that, I get very emotional and I can't quite explain it but they came to play in Trinity probably two summers ago now at this stage I don't even know what date it is I don't even know what year it is but it was it was such a great day myself and Anna and my wife the three of us went along and some friends and we were right up the front and they played the album and this song came on and it was just like oh. you know, of course the sun was shining and it just uh, so I think I think listen to that now kind of it's there's a lot of stuff mixed up in it you know but uh, it's it really gets me. It's positive emotion. It's just lovely, warm feels. Yeah, but you see, Emma, when you get to my age, like things make you cry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, something happens, something changes. Keith, and, you're uh, such a young fella. Will you stop saying that? But even at my age, that's what happens. To, you know, you, you just, whatever age I am, it, it, whatever's happened to me, things like that just, you know, just, they get me, you know, it gets oh, me. Oh yeah, more. I get emotional over everything all the time. As well, but that's just, that's just yes. life. Gets me in yeah. the feels, but that's that is a great album, Father of the Bride Vampire Weekend, and that song, This Life, is just uh, it's just beautiful. Anyway, so there's there's a lot going on there that I can't mm-hmm. quite explain. Our very last question. I can't believe we're here already, and this one is always really weird, but I think it's something that we we've it's crossed our minds once or twice, maybe at some point. If it hasn't, that's fine. But if you have thought about this at any stage, what song would you like played at your funeral, and why? Uh, Beastie Boys, Sabotage. <laughs> Why this song? Because it's fucking, it's just fucking brilliant song. <laughs> it will, it will uh, hopefully it'll bring me back to life. Uh, <laughs> I could just imagine this song coming on in the church and me ki- kicking the roof off the coffin and going, I'm back. I'm back, fuckers. <laughs> But uh, ah, it's just a great song, and uh, Beastie Boys are such a legendary band, and yeah. uh, I'm such a big fan. And I just, I just, I love the the idea of six pals carrying me down the centre aisle, and this song playing in the background. I just think it'd be, <laughs> I, I, can, I can just, I can just picture it. Just put it that way. I think I'd be happy. I'd be happy knowing that that's the way I went out. <laughs> I love it. Keith, an absolute and utter pleasure. I have loved our chat today. Thank you so much for joining me on Deep Music Chats. I really appreciate it. Hopefully see you in person when all this is over at some point. Yeah, thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me on and uh, and for making me think about these songs and all those. And, and it was a real trip down memory lane. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Deep Music Chats, which was recorded with Collaborative Studios. Please let your friends know the podcast is here. If you enjoyed it, maybe leave a review and uh, come back next week for another DMC.